the anchor of the soul, with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. I'm going to be looking today at Numbers chapters 13 and 14. As we look at Numbers chapters 13 and 14, we're going to talk about what it's going to take for us to get to Canaan. In the Old Testament, the Bible pictures the land of Canaan as the promised land. It is described as a land flowing with milk and honey. It became a type of spiritual Canaan today, that is, of heaven. And all of us who belong to the family of God, our goal, our ultimate desire is to go to heaven. That's what we're in this for. We're living the Christian life because we believe that God has promised us a land that as we sing from time to time is fairer than day. So I want you to consider with me for a moment or two what it's going to take for us to get to Canaan. I want to begin by saying, first of all, it's going to take faith. Look, if you would, at Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the passage that was read a moment ago. As we think about the faith that it takes to get to Canaan. Here's what God said. Send men to spout the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send the man, everyone a leader among them. What was the basis upon which the children of Israel had the opportunity to go to Canaan. In other words, how did they know that God was going to give them this land? Had He not promised it? Had God not in the long ago said to their descendant Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, you recall God had called Abraham, and it would ultimately, ultimately be through Abraham that the promised seed would come. But in Genesis chapter 12 at verse 7, God said to him, to your descendants I will give this land. God had promised them this land flowing with milk and honey. Now he was going to bring it to pass. God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They had seen what he had done to Pharaoh and his army. So the bottom line is God had promised them this land. Now it's going to take faith on their part to get to the land. We talk about the promises of God. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about how God has given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now you think about all the promises that are spoken of in Scripture. And you look at the children of Israel and you see that they were instructed to send men out and to spy, to survey the land, which they did. God had already told them, I'm going to give you this land. 
In order for them to take possession of that land, though, it was going to take faith, wasn't it? They were going to have to have faith in the promise of God that what God had said he would bring to pass. What about us today? Do we have faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God in Romans 10, 17. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7, Paul would say that we walk by faith and not by sight. So the children of Israel, in order to take possession of the land, to go in and get it, they were going to have to have faith in Almighty God. Now, in order for us to get to heaven, to the promised land, this land that flows with milk and honey, we're going to have to have faith in God. And sometimes we might ask the question, do we believe in the promises of God? One of the problems of the children of Israel, they failed to believe the promises of God. What about the promises of God relating to our pardon? Do we believe what God has said about the forgiveness of sin? There are a lot of folks in our world today that they feel as if there's no way a loving God in heaven would ever forgive them. And yet God said to those people through the Apostle Peter on Pentecost Day, some of whom had been guilty of putting Jesus to death. He said, by lawless hands you have crucified and slain the Son of God. When they were pricked or cut in their heart, they said to Peter and the rest of the, rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Here's what Peter said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Do you mean that God would forgive those people, some of whom had put to death his only begotten son? Yes. Here's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Do we believe that? We talk about the promises of God. Is not one of his promises that he will forgive, that he'll pardon, he'll cleanse our sins? Yes. We ought to believe it. What about the promises of God as they relate to the very provisions of life? Did Jesus not say in Matthew chapter 6 that we're not to be filled with anxiety and worry? Three times in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, do not worry. One time he asked the question, why do you worry? And then in verse 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. All of the blessings, all of the things that we need for daily living. Who will provide that? God will. Did James not say every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights? Is God not the one that lavishes upon us all the blessings of life? Paul said to those people in Athens that God is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. Do we believe that? Do we trust in his promises that he will provide? Or is it the case that sometimes we lack faith? To know that God will indeed provide for his people. What about the promises that relate to our prayers? Do we believe that God listens attentively to our prayers? Did you know that Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 15 and about verse 8 that God delights in the prayers of the upright? Do you think God listens to your prayers? P. 
Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Do you believe that? Is it not a promise to us that if we go to God in prayer, he will hear us? Did Jesus not say to ask and it shall be given you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened? Do we believe that? We ought to believe it. And then what about the promises that he has made regarding that place that we call heaven? A type of Canaan. Jesus said to the apostles in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. But where I am, there you may be also. So how are we going to get to Canaan? Well, first of all, we have to have faith to get to Canaan. And then secondly, we have to be fearless. We have to have a spirit of fearlessness to get to Canaan. Now, if you look at the children of Israel, God had instructed Moses to send out 12 spies to survey the land. That's what they did. And the reports came back, and really there were two contrasting reports. On the one hand, you had the fearful reporters, and then on the other hand, you had the fearless reporters, two of the ten. Now, look with me, if you would, in chapter 13 for just a moment. Let's think about the fearful reporters. They've gone out and they've surveyed the land. And pick up with me, if you would, in verse 27. They said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwelt in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we just saw the descendants of Anak there. Were they fearful? Absolutely. Drop down and look with me if you will. And note what it said in verse 31. The other ten spies or the ten spies, they said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. They were fearful. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 at verse 7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Think about it for a minute. God had promised he was going to give them this land. He sent out 12 spies to survey the land. God had said, look, you will take possession of this land. And by the way, in Joshua chapter 21, the Bible assures us that they did take possession of that land. Everything God had said pertaining to the land was fulfilled. But I want you to think about the fact God had said to Abraham, their father, spiritually speaking, their descendant, by way of ancestor, God had said to your children, to your descendants, I will give this land. 
So if God gives them, the, if, he, if he's promised to give them the land, why are they so fearful? Where was their courage? Where was their conviction? You remember in Joshua chapter 1, after Moses died, and God calls upon Joshua to assume the leadership of the children of Israel, Joshua would eventually lead the people into the promised land. But God said to Joshua in the long ago, Have I not commanded you? He said, Be strong and of good courage. Let me tell you what. These guys lack courage. He said, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why is that? He said, Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, why were they fearful? But I want you to note, if you would, the fearless reporters. That'd be Joshua and Caleb. Listen, if you would, to Caleb in verse 30 of chapter 13. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. First of all, they believed that they had the ability to take possession of the land. Where was their power coming from? Was it their own power? But God would give them the ability, the power, to take possession of the land. And then, note if you would what Joshua said. Down in chapter 14, verse 7. Joshua said, the land, the land that we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. First of all, they believed that God would give them the ability to take possession of the land. Secondly, I believe they understood that God would assist them in taking possession of the land. Now let me ask this question. We talk about living the Christian life and trying to get to Canaan, that is trying to get to heaven. When we became children of God, did God not promise to be with us wherever we, wherever we go in this life? Did God not say in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and then the question is asked, what shall man do unto me? Will God not give us the ability, the assistance that we need to get from planet earth to heaven? Yes. Do we have a compass? Do we have something that will lead us safely home? Yes. What is that something? It's God's word. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. You remember in Acts chapter 20 when the Apostle Paul talked to the elders of the church of Ephesus while he was in Miletus? And he told those people, and now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified in Christ Jesus. The word of God would build them up, would aid them in their spiritual growth, in their spiritual walk. God gives us the ability to get from earth to heaven by walking in the footsteps of Christ, by living according to the scriptures. I think about the trials and the temptations that we face in life, and yet in Hebrews chapter 2, the Hebrew writer said that, speaking of Jesus, in that he himself was tempted. 
He is able to aid those who are tempted. Sometimes life doesn't go our way. And sometimes we struggle and we face hardships and difficulties and problems. But number one, we have to have faith. And number two, we have to have this fearless disposition that God will get us through whatever we face. Listen to David in Psalm, in Psalm 56. God said, or rather David said about God, this I know. God is for me. God wants us to get to the promised land. He wants us to get home. And God is going to do everything. God has done everything by way of his word to give us instruction. And through prayer and through fellowship in the body of Christ and through our own grit and determination, we can get to the promised land. We've got to make, make up our mind. This is where we want to go. So, there's a third thing that I want to call attention to as we talk about what it's going to take for us to get to Canaan. And the third thing is it's going to take faithfulness to get to Canaan. In order for the children of Israel to get to Canaan, they had to be faithful to God, didn't they? In other words, they had to believe that what he had said he would do for them was true. I want to talk first of all about those who missed Canaan. And sadly, they missed Canaan because of unbelief. Jude in verse 5 writes about the children of Israel reminding the church in the first century of the people the Lord had saved out of the land of Egypt. But Jude said, the Lord destroyed those who did not believe. What was their problem? A lack of faith, a lack of faithfulness. If you look at verse 12, well, Actually, if you look at chapter 14, the ten spies that gave an unfavorable report had great impact on the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, the multitude of the Israelite people believed in what the spies said. That is, we can't go in and take the land. Listen, if you would, to what is said in verse 1. All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. I don't know about you, but that's incredulous to me. That the very people of God lacked enough faith in Almighty God. They'd already seen what He had done. God had said to Moses back in chapter 19 of the book of Exodus, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I brought you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You think God has brought them this far to let them die? 
Absolutely not. But you know, Paul said a little leaven leavens a whole lump. What happened was the children of Israel bought into what the spies said. And as a result of that, God would say down in verse 12, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. God disinherited those who lacked faith. In other words, they didn't get to go to the promised land. If you drop down in chapter 14, here's what God said in verse 26. God said to Moses and Aaron, How long shall I bear with his evil congregation who murmur against me? He said, I have heard the murmurings which the children of Israel murmur against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of all you who have murmured against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. Here's the bottom line. They didn't get to go into the promised land. They would die in the wilderness. Now, what about those who would make it to Canaan? God promised Joshua and Caleb that they would get to go to the promised land. Not only did they get to go to the promised land, but those children below the age of 20 would enter that land flowing with milk and honey. Here's what, you, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what we all need to understand. If we're going to get to the promised land, if we're going to get to heaven, to Canaan's land, the song we sang about earlier, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to understand that it may not be easy. It may be a struggle. But we've got to determine that, you know what, come what may, we're going to be faithful to God despite some who might defect. Think about the ten spies and then that multitude of people that bought into what those spies had to say and God said, guess what, you're not going to the promised land. Is it not the case that sometimes people defect from the faith? Yes. Remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus identified himself as the bread of life and John said that the response of the multitude they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Who can understand it? It's a difficult saying. And so John said, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Let me tell you what, some people may say, we've had enough, we're going back into the world. What we've got to say. There might be people that say, you know what? I'm not going to live as a Christian any longer. I'm not... I'm not going to do the will of God in my life any longer. What's our attitude? That may be your choice, and I'm going to stay true to God. Think about the Apostle Paul as he neared the end of his life. He talked about how the time of his departure was at hand. And in verse 10 of chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, he said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas defected from the faith. 
I've known people. I have known folks that have walked away from the church. They've walked away from the Lord. There are some folks that we have pled with and begged. You're on a dangerous course. But they've chosen to go back into the world. Listen. There may be a lot of folks that say, we've had enough. We're not in this thing any longer. What we've got to say is, we're going to be faithful. Despite anyone that might defect from the faith. And then I think about discouragement. You ever get discouraged? You ever get discouraged because of what some people do and what some people say? You ever get discouraged with family members, friends? Yes. You ever get discouraged in the church? Sure. We've all been there. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer talks about how we ought to run with Patience, endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, and the Bible says, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 3, he cites Jesus as an example. Why? Because he said, lest you become weary and discouraged, in your souls. Have I ever been disappointed and discouraged as a preacher? You better believe it. Have I ever been discouraged in some of my own brethren? You better believe it. But some folks I just shake my head at. And I wonder what in the world are they thinking or not thinking. I get discouraged just like you. I'm a human being. But I can't let people leaving the Lord and I can't let discouraging things keep me from doing what I know to do. And that's to be faithful. When Jesus surveyed the seven churches of Asia, one of the churches was faced with severe persecution and tribulation. And he said, you be faithful until death. And he said, I'll give you the crown of life. That is, you be faithful even if it costs you your life. Well, here's the bottom line. We've got to be faithful no matter what. Come what may. So, sometimes people defect from the faith. Sometimes we get discouraged in the faith. Sometimes we become disappointed in the actions of other people. But we can't let that be a deterrent to us in our faith. I want to ask you a question today. Are you on the road to Canaan? The song we sang just a moment ago about Canaan's land, are you headed in, the, in that direction? Here's what you need to know. God wants you to live so that one day you'll be with Him in eternity. Here's what you need to do. Do you believe Jesus to be the Son of God? Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus as God's only Son? And then repent of your sins. That is, turn from a life of sin. Confess the name of Christ before others. And then be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away. Acts twenty-two sixteen. The beauty is that if you do that, God will put you in the church. 
Acts 2.47. And if you're faithful till death, the promise, the crown of life. I think about the words of James in James 1.12. James had talked about some of the difficulties that people face in life. And let me tell you what, you live long enough, you're going to face some difficult times. But James said, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So God is promising a crown of life to all who will be his children and be faithful. It might be that you're here today, maybe you're not faithful. Maybe your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe you've given up. Maybe at one time you wanted to go to heaven and somehow you got off track and you know in your heart of hearts that you're not going to heaven. Can I encourage you to come home? Here's what John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.